0: Just Discard- go.
1: Good morning everybody. Come on, that was really, really sad. Good morning everybody. We're very, very, very glad you're here. Would you do me a favor, would you stand up to your feet this morning and get ready to put your hands together. We are going to praise God and make some noise in this place. What do you say?
0: Sounds a new beginning As distant hearts begin believing Redemption's bid is unrelenting Your love goes on Your love goes on you carry us. Here we go. You carry us, you carry us, when the world gives way. You cover us, you cover us, with your endless grace. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. The time is up for chasing shadows. You gave the world a light to follow. A hope that shines. A hope that shines beyond tomorrow. You love goes those, you love those, oh, yeah. you, you carry us, you carry us when the world gives way. You cover us, cover us with your head. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. relentless.
1: Tearing through the veil of darkness. Come on. You broke every chain. Here we go.
0: Tearing through the veil of darkness, breaking every chain, you set us free. Fighting for the furthest, you gave your life. So I'm tearing through the veil of darkness, breaking every chain, you set Your love is relentless. 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 love relentless Your love is relentless Your love is relentless see how Jealous for me He loves Like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath.
1: Come on and give him a praise this morning. He's rejoicing over us. Father, we give this day to you. God, we lift you up in worship, God. All praise and glory to be to you, Jesus, in his name. Amen, amen. Take a second or two, say hi to somebody next to you, and get on back to your seat. Here we go. Walk,
0: toe. Over
2: hey there! Is today your first time here? Or maybe your first time in a while? If so, maybe you're wondering exactly who we are and what this church is all about. Well, we'd like you to know that we're a group of ordinary people who are on an amazing journey together following Christ. Our guide is the Bible because it's the divinely inspired word of God and it will never take us in the wrong direction. Along the way, we hope you'll see that we are welcoming and spiritually passionate and that getting to know you is a big deal to us. We know that the road is rough sometimes, but we'll work really hard to bring you practical and relevant messages to equip and encourage you through life's ups and downs. We want you to know that we care about this community and we believe that it's our job to make it a better place. So, no matter who you are or where you've been, we're glad you're here with us today. And we hope that you'll join us on our journey, following Christ and living out His plan for us. So, welcome to church, and Merry Christmas.
3: Good morning. It is a fabulous day to be at Celebration Church. I'm Krista Clark. I'm Pastor Brandon's wife. He's missing today. He has decided that... He needed to go check out the Big Lake campus, so he is preaching there today, and we are very blessed that Nat Turney is going to fill in for him. We are very blessed that Nat is preaching for Brandon today. Um, If this is your first time to worship with us at Celebration Church, inside of your bulletin that you got at the front door, there is an info card. If you could take that out for me and fill it out, you have the whole service to do it. There's a front and a back. And as you exit out the theater doors to the left that is our Connection Center, there's a box there waiting for you. So if you would take this card and meet Miss Lisa at the Connection table, she will trade you for the box. And inside of that box is some information about our church and a $5 gift card to Chick-fil-A. That's our gift to you for worshiping with us this morning. There's A lot of great churches to worship with, and we think it's a huge privilege that you would choose us. Now, if this isn't your first time, if you put your name on here and how many came with you, that'd be great as well. And those can be dropped in the offering baskets as they pass by. On the back at the bottom and on you version, there is a place for your prayer requests. So if you have something that you're believing God for and would like to include our prayer team in on that, we pray for you by name all week long. We also consider that a great privilege and an honor that you would include us in on that. And did anybody notice that Brenda not sitting here, I didn't forget you, version? It's totally him. It's totally him that makes me ditzy. We're going to blame that on him. All right, way to go, me. (laughs) So I'm just, I know the announcements are coming up, but I would like to give a reminder that the ladies' Christmas parties today from 5 to 7 Oh, Ms. Christa, I didn't plan on attending. Well, it's casual. Come as you are. We just want to get together and hang out and do some Christmas partying, partying it up girl style. So please come. It's at the Fort Concho at the barracks.
4: Good morning, Celebration Church. Keenan and Carissa here. You all look beautiful, but we have some announcements for you. Uh, Carissa, what do we got?
0: Well,
1: mark your calendars no more because the ladies' Christmas party is tonight from 5 to 7 p.m. in Barrack 6 at Old Fort Concho. Be there for a fabulous time. Fabulous.
4: You've been hanging out with my mom. I have.
1: Um,
4: Another announcement for you this Wednesday we're having the youth Christmas party. It's going to be awesome, off the chain. You're going to want to be there, or you just might end up being square. Uh, Not because we're gonna crop you into a Instagram picture lots of selfies gonna be awesome bring a uh, ugly mug Uh, we might be having a contest you never know you don't want to miss it I'm not gonna release too much information about that but it's awesome bring an ugly mug and also we have t-shirts available for sale I think we're having an awesome sale on the Christmas ones and these ones so get down there while supplies last they're limited people are snagging them left and right I can't walk around the sunset mall Without seeing them, you want to grab them and represent your church well. Well, we love you guys. That's all the announcement we have. Uh, Pastor B, bring, bring it us home.
0: Bring the word.
1: Bring it up. Bring it. Bring it to Hold me. Up. Just bring it. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, uh, am I on there? Can you hear me? Oh, good. Then apparently uh, they didn't get the memo. I'm not Pastor B, by the way. If this is your first time this morning, um, don't be dismayed. The real preacher will be back next week. Um, he's off in Big Lake. He hadn't had a chance, we, I don't know if you guys know, we launched a campus in Big Lake a while back, and um, it's been a while, actually. He hadn't had a chance to preach there yet, so he finally got the the, uh, the free time to go, and so he put me down here, all right? So, have no fear, uh, no matter how things go today, there'll be somebody better preaching next week, okay? So, just to, I'm, I'm serious. Okay. Oh, thank you. Um, actually, I don't, I don't get to do this. Usually when I preach, Brandon's right there sitting at looking at me, so... It, it does. So this is actually, I'm, I'm a little free. So things might happen. I might develop a sort of Krista. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But actually what I was thinking about was I don't get a chance to brag on my pastor enough. So Because he's usually sitting there and he'll get all embarrassed. Can I tell you something right now? Um, we have the best pastor. We really do. We really do. And if he's watching this later, I hope you're embarrassed. But um, I've worked in churches. I've been in churches. I've been in church my whole life. And for me, I don't know about you, the mark of an excellent pastor is is realness, authenticity. I don't care if he's flawed, because he is, okay? I don't care if he sometimes says dumb things, because he does. I don't care if he likes the Cowboys, because I don't know if he does or not. But at the end of the day, the Brandon Clark you see out and about is the Brandon Clark you see here, is the Brandon Clark you see everywhere. He's real. He's just like us on the same journey we are. So I just want to take a minute, give some love to the man who uh, lets me stand here in his pulpit and trust me to to say things on his behalf. So um, welcome this morning we 're going to go through the part real quick we 're here. This is the part of the service where we we give, and we give intentionally in this church um, just because we believe in it. You know the New Testament preaches a lot about money, talks about a lot about the way we handle our finances and um, I believe that it 's integral to how we handle our life in general but let we'd like to chew on a piece of scripture as uh, Pastor Brandon says so if you turn in your Bibles, your review version or your notes, whatever it is to second corinthians nine eight A lot of times we preach 2 Corinthians 9, 7, because this is the one that says, you know, you should give, decide in your heart what to give, not reluctantly, because God loves a cheerful giver. I love that part. It's one of my my favorite scriptures on giving. But there's a really neat part that follows after. Look at this part. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Here's the deal. God puts things in our hands for a reason. We're to steward it. We're to do something with it. If you believe in what this church is doing and in the, in the kingdom impact that we're having, I can tell you story after story after story after story of lives being revolutionized by the gospel, of marriages being restored. If you believe in that work, man, I, I highly recommend you, you give to what we're doing here. This doesn't come cheap. The theater costs money. Everything we do costs money. Um, it's the currency of this kingdom, right? The currency of God's kingdom. It's faithfulness is trust. And if we trust him, the Bible tells us he'll make every good deed, every every sufficiency abound to us, so that we can do good things with it. Amen? So, guys, if you want to pass those buckets around, we'll do that. We are in week two. Everybody say week two? We are in week two of the Unto Us series. Pastor Brandon kicked it off last week, and we just want to remind you that Christmas is a time for us to reflect on the greatest gift we've ever received. And that gift is Jesus. Amen. Uh, The verse that we have been using and we're going to use all throughout these four weeks is found in Isaiah 9, 6. And it says this, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. It's good scripture. Um, Before we kick things out, I've got a short video for y'all to take a look at. If you would play it, that'd be awesome.
2: Summer's ready, come on, y'all! I've been slaving over this for
5: hours. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Hey Zeus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC, and. Always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family. My two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger. Or TR, as we call them. And, of course, my red-hot, smoking wife, Carly, who is a stone-cold fox. I also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Notton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. and It smells terrible, and the dogs are always Mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey,
2: um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby.
5: Look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want.
2: You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow.
5: Dear tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fist pawing. It was a a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I
2: get the money. Ricky, finish the race.
5: I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo T-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party.
0: I like to
3: picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai.
5: I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row. Hey, Cal? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear, eight pound, six ounce, newborn (laughs) infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant and so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and the $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say that Powerade is delicious mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic. Mountain blueberry, mm. thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen, amen, amen. Let's dig in. That was a hell of a grace, man. Thanks you nailed that like a split hog. I
1: appreciate that.
5: I'm gonna to lie to you. you, felt good.
1: All right, some of you are looking confused, and I like that. That's good. That's good. I want to. I, I, I played that video for three reasons. All right, first reason is Pastor Brandon brought it up last week. I, I, I had to break it this week. I just he mentioned it, it's his fault. The second thing is. I, I just think it's funny. I <laughs> just think it's funny. You know, it's, and if you can mine spiritual truths from Ricky Bobby, I think you've arrived as a preacher. I just think you've, you can do it. But the third thing is this. There really is some truth to this, all right? The reason I put that there is because it's really, really, really important what we think about God. It's really, really important what image we have in our mind of who he is. And this verse that we just read in Isaiah, it gives us some idea of the attributes of God. What kind of God is he? Is he tiny baby infant Jesus in a golden fleece diaper sitting in the manger, don't know a word yet? Is that your Jesus? Or is he a mighty God? Is he somebody who can for everything that we need? Can he meet those needs for us? Can he be a mighty warrior? Can he be somebody for us who helps us? to do what we need to do, or is he just stuck in a manger someplace, and once a year, we pull him out, and we think, oh, tiny, cute baby Jesus, let's pray to him, even if it's bearded Jesus, or teenage Jesus, or ninja Jesus, I don't care if your picture of Jesus is narrow, if it's just this one little thing, I promise you, your spiritual life will be narrow, the things you experience with God will be narrow, and when the things of this life come against you, and they will, you won't have the resources to deal with it, because you've put Jesus in a little box that we've kept him in, amen? Amen. I love the way that the message version reads, and I, just want, I don't have it on the screen. Here's what I want you guys to do. Just do me a favor. Think about it. Just hear the words as I say them, because I think this does a really good job of telling us what Isaiah is promising for those of us who are living now. For a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be amazing counselor, strong God, eternal father, prince of wholeness. His ruling authority will grow, and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. I love it when they take the word salvation or peace and they bring wholeness because the word in Hebrew means wholeness. It means everything that you need, nothing missing, nothing broken. All this stuff that God promises us is ours. Amen? So I want to look at three things. And I think the result of Christ coming, and obviously they're not limited to these three, but for the purposes of, of this morning, I've got three things I want to share with you, and they're in your notes if you're doing the first fill in the blank we think of the word mighty, you can interchange the word mighty with powerful. Amen? So power, strength, think of those things. But when God gave us Jesus, he gave us the power of his presence. Think about that for a second. Adam and Eve were created and put in the garden specifically to have communion with God. They experienced God's presence all the time, every day. God came down, it says in the Bible in Genesis, in the cool of the night and of the evening and walked with them and talked with them. When they blew it, they didn't just blow it for them. They blew it for generations to come because when they sinned, that relationship was tarnished. That relationship was separated. So there we have this idea of this presence of God. But Jesus comes along and he fixes this for us. And I'm not sure because we don't, we've never lived under the old paradigm. I don't know if we fully grasp what it means to have the presence of God all the time accessible to us all the time except if we had lost it like adam and eve had i guarantee you the 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 loss adam and eve felt must have been devastating just to have because they'd never known the presence of god to not be there and all of a sudden it's gone what do you do i don't know I, i can't imagine what they had gone through but but through jesus and through the holy spirit we get that back Amen. As new covenant, new testament believers, we get this. Look at what John sixteen twelve tells us. And this is Jesus talking, and he's trying to console the twelve, trying to tell because he's fixing to leave, and they're not seeing things from an eternal perspective. They're seeing things from a very carnal perspective, and they're going to miss him. But he says, "Look at this in John sixteen twelve. Very truly I tell to you, I tell you, it's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go," I will send him to you. is that cool? Jesus had to go away. And when he went away, he sent us the Holy Spirit. In Jesus, what, what we get in the New Testament is a perfect representation of the Father. All through the Old Testament. You read scriptures, I tell you what, you've got to look through the Old Testament through the eyes and through the lens of the cross. Because you understand that people had a limited view of what God was. Job spoke, as he said later on, he, he spoke of things he did not know. He sort of had an idea of God, but there was a shadow that was there, not the reality. And Jesus comes, and the Bible tells us that he is the exact representation of the Father. We want to know who he is? Look at Jesus. You want to know what the Father would do in this situation? What did Jesus do? How did Jesus behave? What did he say? How did he love people? We have this, but when he goes away, he sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with all of us all the time. Look what 1 Corinthians 3.16 says. Do you not know... That you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells within you. Now, the Jews of the first century knew the presence of God. I'm not trying to suggest that they didn't understand it. They did. But there was a very specific way to access that Spirit. There was a very specific place. There was a temple where the Spirit of God resided physically. Inside the Holy of Holies, there was this place. And only one priest once a year got to go in there and be in the presence of God. Jesus comes tears that veil in two, restores this relationship between God and man. The Bible says that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, and we get free access, and we get to be the residing place of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've heard this verse used to shame people who do things they ought not to do, you know, like eat too much, smoke too much, drink too much, and they use this to say, don't you know you're God's temple? How dare you put tattoos on it? Can I tell you, that's really not the point of this. It's really not the point. The point is that you carry the Spirit of God inside you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what this tells me is that no matter where I go or what I do, I'm never separated from God. He's always with me. And I get, this, I get the freedom, and this is going to sound weird, but I get the freedom to screw up. You know, there's some freedom to mess up. And religion tells you you mess up, and you got to come make it right. And you got to fix it and you got to make your amends or, you know, God's going to turn his back on you. That's law, man. That's straight up legalism. That's, that's garbage. What my Bible tells me is that nothing can separate me from the love of God. The spirit lives inside me and me doing wrong does not evict the Holy Spirit from my, my temple. Amen. That's good news, man. That's awesome. Look what Hebrews 13, 5 tells us. There's, if you need assurance, he's not going to leave you. Hebrews 13, 5 says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. That's a promise you can take to the bank. There's, I'm telling you, the world will promise you all kinds of stuff. They'll tell you all kinds of things. You know, you're never going to get a car this cheap. The interest rates will never be lower. Can I go on about the lies we're told all the time. When Jesus says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Let me tell you, we've put him to the test on that thing, haven't we? Some of us have walked pretty far, we thought, away from God. And the truth of the matter is, he was always right there. He was always right with us. And he was one prayer away. He was one breath away. If we just quiet ourselves and listen, he's still talking. We didn't didn't shut him up. We sometimes stop listening. But we didn't shut him up. Amen? That's good stuff. Man, I love it. Uh, The second thing I want to say is this. When God gave us Jesus... He demonstrated the power of humility. You have to kind of put yourself in the place of the first century church, the first century Jewish mindset. A concept of Messiah was not new. They'd been hearing about Messiah since they were born and for generations and generations and generations. The expectation was different, though. You have to understand that more than likely what these folks expected was to see some great military leader rise up. You know, the Jewish people, when the, by the time the Romans are occupying Jerusalem, it's the last of a long string of occupations. The, the Israelites have been beaten up, sold, bought. It's, it's just been crazy. Occupied by every conceivable force you can imagine. Enslaved. By the time the Romans come along, it's just one more. It's just one more. But they're done. You know what I mean? And their minds are like, man, it, they start crying out to God again. Imagine, if you will, walking down the city streets of San Angelo, and instead of seeing San Angelo Police police Department, you see, I don't know, guys in North Korean uniforms. And they're actually enforcing the law. That's what we were having. That's what the Jewish people experienced. There was a foreign occupying force in their city, in their nation. And on top of all of that, there were other Jews who were helping them out. That's why, that's why when the Bible talks about tax collectors being lower than sinners, it's because they were usually Jewish people collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman government. So imagine, if you will, you know, your own people turning against you and making a profit off of your misery. This is what was going on. And so the expectation was that a great military leader would rise. Because in addition to hearing about Messiah, you have to know these people grew up hearing the stories of Moses. Moses. And hearing the stories of how they are God's chosen people. And God won't forget them. And someday it's all going to get fixed. And it's all going to get turned back right again. So the expectation level was that if a Jesus type of character showed up, it was going to be with a sword in his hand. And he was going to take them out and restore Israel to their primary place. But don't you know that God had much, much bigger plans in mind. Had much bigger plans than just restoring Israel. He was reconciling the world to himself. The Jewish people couldn't see that because they were stuck in their own place of, I need God to come and put us back in charge. Well, they'd done that before. <laughs> they'd had their chance to be in charge before. They kind of blew it. God's plan was so much bigger. Amen? But they still had an image in their mind of this mighty God. They knew the scriptures as well as anybody. They knew Isaiah 9-6 said that he would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. But they probably didn't imagine eight-pound, two-ounce, tiny baby Jesus in a golden fleece diaper lying in a manger with his fists all balled up, don't know a word yet, as mighty God. It probably didn't enter their minds that Jesus would arrive, that this Messiah, this messianic you know, champion would show up and not even be able to find a place to stay when his mom was about to give birth to him. There's lots of conflicting stories about whether or not there was an actual inn. I think the Bible talks about, you know, sometimes words get translated weirdly. But, but no matter how you look at it, even if Jesus was born in the home of a family member, they weren't even given priority in that place. You know, if Jesus showed up, you know, if Mary shows up at her family's house and she's pregnant and they put her downstairs with the animals, it doesn't exactly scream, we think, highly of this person. So they put her downstairs. It was a custom in the time to have livestock and animals inside the home. In the first floor, you know, it gets cold, you know, and, and there was, it was easier to keep warm with a bunch of animals around. So, but there, so this whole idea of this, of this stable someplace out in the middle of nowhere might be a little bit more myth than truth. But the reality is Jesus didn't look like he came from a noble lineage. He didn't look like he was, you know, of noble birth with lots of money and power. He was laid in a feeding trough, for goodness sake. Best thing they could find for a crib. I don't know. When I was born, you know, my parents had a small apartment, and uh, for a little while, I slept in a drawer, and I thought that was pretty humble, but that's all they had. You know, they had a bedroom, and they had these built-in drawers, and they would just slide it out and put the baby inside. I think it's pretty cool. I'm not so sure. That might be a little bit cooler, just a step above, sleeping in a place where you feed pigs and cattle and whatever else they had. Probably not pigs. They were good Jewish people, but... um, but even so, it turned it on, and I love this about Jesus. My favorite thing about Jesus is how subversive he is. I love it because whatever you thought was going to happen, whatever you thought this guy was going to be about, he went, he, he went out of his way to say, eh, not quite. Let me flip that on its head for you. Let me let me turn that upside down a little bit for you. Mark 9, 35, Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, it says this, it says, sitting down. He called the twelve and he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. So here's Jesus once again turning things on their head, saying, listen, this, this new kingdom is coming. And if you want to be first, you're going to have to be last. That's a Ricky Bobby quote, isn't it? If you're not first, you're no. Can you imagine, though, being in that place (laughs) listening to Jesus talk? Whatever he said, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says this, and you went, whoa. Hold up. Say that last part again. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. Okay, I don't understand that. If I'm last, I'm last. In the kingdom of God, we're called to be servants. The Bible said Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. There's all kinds of places in the Bible where we see Jesus acting like a servant. You know, there's a time when he washes the disciples' feet, for goodness sake, That's not the act of somebody looking to be served. It's somebody who's brought themselves to a place where they're going to be the servant of all. Amen? Real strength, Jesus teaches us, comes from humility. Real power comes when we serve others. Real strength comes when we put other people ahead of ourselves. And what happens is the world thinks they have an idea of what's going on. They think they've got you figured out. And then they throw something at you and they wait for your reaction. And when we respond like Jesus, what do they do with that? What do you do? When when the world throws, you know, right hook after left hook after uppercut and you stand there and you behave like Jesus did, what happens? What does the world, I'll tell you what happens. The world gets turned upside down. I'll tell you what happens. People understand that Jesus, this thing we're talking about, is real. And we're not just saying words anymore. When you punch me in the face and I stand there and I say, "I love you," what do you do with that? There's no response. Most people just walk away. You know? Not that I have a lot of experience with being you know, randomly punched in the face. Daniel sometimes will smack me, but sometimes I think we take the words of Jesus almost too lightly when he tells us to turn the other cheek and not to respond. And you know what? I don't think so. I think we're called. Scary as this sounds, to be the servants of all. And that sometimes means we're going to get abused. It sometimes means we're going to be hurt and we're going to be injured. And our job in that moment is to not respond the way the world would respond. The way that your mind tells you you've got a right to respond. But it's to respond like Jesus would respond. Out of love, out of grace, and for the ultimate goal of bringing people Back into relationship with Christ, Amen. Look at what First Peter tells us. First Peter two twenty three. Honestly, again, this is taken to an extreme as Jesus did with everything. But Jesus, going to the cross, look what Peter says about him. It says when they hurled the, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Real strength comes when we carry out the will of God, no matter what the circumstances. It comes when we surrender and say, I trust him who judges justly. I don't trust in my own sense of right and wrong. I don't sense in my own sense of what I'm entitled to. By show of hands, who in this room has been mistreated, abused, stole from, lied about? Gossiped about. Come on, I, if you've had breath in your body on planet Earth, those things have happened to you, haven't they? I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you differently, but that—that's the way the world works, isn't it? And it's sad, but it, you know what? It even comes inside these four walls, and there'll be people inside the church who will hurt you. And I'm telling you what—nothing hurts quite like being hurt by another believer. Now, I kind of expect those knuckleheads out there to not understand, but you know what? Sometimes we climb back in our own flesh. And we don't act right. But you know what? We're called, to, we're called to love people anyway. We're called to go forward anyway. And real strength comes in a place of humility that says, I don't have to get my way all the time. I don't have to get even with that person. You know, and there's this real sense, and I've had to battle this, I'm telling you right now, where if I let them get away with that, if I don't retaliate, then they win. And the truth of the matter is, 99 times out of 100, the person's probably not even really aware how much they hurt you. They're probably not even really aware that you're holding a grudge. We can hold a grudge all day long, you know, and we can drink that poison and drink that poison and wait for that person to croak. It's silly, right? It's silly. When Pastor Brandon said last week, and I'll say it again this week, when we forgive somebody, it's not for them, it's for us. It really is. It's not about letting them off the hook. But a mighty God can come into a situation. Has anybody been more maligned than God? Has anybody been more mistreated? Have we gone our own way more often than not? Said things about him that weren't true. Believed things about him that weren't true. Shook our fists and cursed. Who are we? And God doesn't retaliate, does he? He doesn't even, the Bible says he's not even counting our sins against us anymore. Forgiven people we are. Totally forgiven. Totally free. As though... God went with us with a little eraser, and every time we sinned, he went. Whoop, 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 whoop. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus follows us and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. If we're in the light, we're in the light. Amen? So there's this amazing thing that God, of all people, should have a right to say, nah, uh, uh, no, I'm done with you. Whisk us off to whatever future he has for us. I'm here to tell you that he won't do that to you. If you're here this morning and you think you've gone too far, if you're here this morning and you think you've done too much, No, you haven't. You haven't. If you're still asking that question, you haven't. Jesus is there. Amen? So real strength. The power of God comes in a place of humility. You know, there's all kinds of places in the Bible where you could look where, where Jesus is presented to the people, and he's presented in a really humble way. Even his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he comes in on the back of a donkey. He wasn't a conquering king coming in on the back of a horse with a sword. He came in riding on a donkey, for goodness sake. Everywhere we see Jesus talking to people, talking especially to sinners, especially to people who are struggling, we see mercy, love, humility, grace, all these things that say, I love you, you're my child, I just want to have a relationship with you. And that's what God is saying to us today, amen? All right, my last point, here we go. When God gave us Jesus, he gave us the power to overcome. Let me say that again because I think that's really good. When God gave us Jesus, he gave us the power to overcome. Overcome what? You name it. Everything. We are overcomers. Amen? John 16, 33. Um, Jesus talking here says, I've told you these things. And mind you, he just got finished telling the disciples a whole bunch of terrible stuff. It's like, man, there's things are going to go badly for you. He goes through this whole litany of things. But he says this, I've told you these things. So that in you, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. How cool is this? God's promise. Now, now listen, now, if you've got a little thing on your fridge at home, that's like the Bible promises of God that are all like magnets and they stick out. I promise you more than likely you will, have, you will have trouble is not one of those promises on that thing, right? But it's a promise. He's like, listen, you're going to have problems. There's going to be things that go wrong for you in this world. But the promise that supersedes that promise is, I've overcome the world. Take heart. This is a done deal. Look at how he says it. He didn't say, I will overcome the world, right? He didn't say, put your faith in me, believe hard enough, do the right things, and I'll overcome on your behalf. There's no list of steps. There's no prerequisites. There's no prescribed behavior, and then I'll overcome for you. Is that what it says? Take heart. I have overcome the world. It's done. My favorite line that Jesus ever speaks on the cross is when he says it's finished. And you know what? I believe that when Jesus said it was finished, that he meant what he said, and it's finished. There's a place of rest for us Christians. There's a place for us of rest where we can stop striving to earn that which can't be earned, to merit what can't be merited, to take firm grasp of that which God promised us for free and really, really, really live for him. Once the burden is off to perform, man, a freedom comes to just try anything. Give it a shot. If God's got you dreaming crazy dreams, can I tell you he's overcome the world? You should give it a shot. If it's nuts, try it. If it's not nuts, it's probably not from God. Probably not. If it's something you can accomplish in your own strength, whoop de doo You want to be an astronaut? That's from God. Strap a rocket to your back. Go to space. Come on. There's something that God's calling you to. I've had them. You have them. There's something he's saying and whispering in your ear. There's something that gets you fired up. It gets you thinking and praying and whatever. God, if you don't make this happen, it's not going to work. That's a God dream because he's overcome we can step out in faith. And what happens when we step out in faith and things don't go right? He's still there. He's still there. So there's this freedom. I'll go back to what I said before. There's a freedom to make mistakes. There's a freedom to try things and fail. Most people who succeed in business will tell you they've failed more often than they've succeeded. And if they stopped, every time they messed up, they'd be done. They'd have never made their millions or their billions. I had a chance to meet a billionaire recently. Oddly enough, only he's like... Forbes, number 400 on Forbes. The guy's rich, all right? I was i I'm, I'm working in the oil business a little bit now, and I went to write him a check for, I don't know, a quarter million dollars or so. We were buying some right away to put a pipeline across a piece of property he owned. And he took the check, and he looked at it, and he went, okay, thanks. And he chunked it in the desk drawer, and I looked inside the desk drawer, and there were, you know, 20 or 30 checks in there of equal size, it looked like. The guy was worth $6 billion. He had just come back from a trip to uh, – Uh, from oh he would bought an island in the bahamas so how how about this this i got time to tell the story he was he was floating his yacht and he kind of ran out of gas a little unexpectedly ends up in this little key in the bahamas and it turns out somebody had tried to build a a resort on this island and had gone bankrupt and so in the process of refueling he buys the island wrote the guy a check like seriously that that's that's crazy money all right, and I had a couple minutes to talk to him, and and I asked him, you know, okay, you know, <laughs> kind of sheepishly, you know, I said, "What's it like being a billionaire?" He goes, eh, "It's pretty good." <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he did say something to the effect of, "Man, I failed in business a lot. I failed a lot, but I kept going, and I kept going. I've lost as much money as I've ever. You know, he's probably not lost billions, but he's certainly lost millions and made his billions. But you know what? Take that principle with money. Money's not your thing, and man, I don't." personally care that much about money. But whatever it is that that's your dream, if you try it and you fail and you stop trying, man, what, what's the point? Jesus has overcome this world. That means to me it belongs to you. Go get it. It's yours. He's overcome it. Amen? I don't know why. That, that, that must just be for somebody because that's not in my notes. But I'm encouraging you today to dream something crazy. Dream something big. Look at First John 5.5. 5. Who is it? that overcomes the world, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's one thing to believe Jesus existed. I get that. I could talk to lots of atheists who will assent to the fact that Jesus was a real person, even though sometimes they want to fight you on that. But do they believe he's the Son of God? No. But you know what? Look, I love what this says. Who is he that overcomes the world? Not he who, and then fill in the blank with whatever religious duty you think you have to do. But who is it that overcomes the world? He who tithes 10%. He who goes to church regularly. He who reads his Bible and has quiet time. He who gives to the poor. he who... Jesus could have said anything at that moment and given us any kind of instruction. And what he says, what John says to us is this. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Guys, faith is still the currency of the kingdom. Faith is still the currency of the kingdom. We believe The Bible tells us that's our salvation right there. We believe in him. All the other stuff's gonna come along. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we ought not do those things. You know, I'm not saying we shouldn't give to the poor. We should. But where it comes from is a place of Jesus loves me, so now I do this. I believe he said this, and out of this place of gratitude and this place of knowing who I am in Christ, all that other stuff kind of just flows naturally. It's not the other way around where we think, listen, if I do these things... Then I'm in with God, and he's good with me. I get to check a box and say, man, woohoo! gave my 10%. Click, click, went to church, boom, spent 30 minutes in the word. I prayed for four hours, people. Have you ever tried to pray for four hours? It's tough. Lock yourself in a closet, wake up four hours later, woo, I prayed. It's tough. But there's these external forces that come in on you and say, you know, well, you know, so-and-so did that. I read about a guy who was a great man of God, and he spent this much time in prayer. So, therefore, if God leads you to it, then do it. If the Holy Spirit whispers in your ear to do it, then do it. But if it's out of a place of obligation, man, don't do it. I don't think God's pleased when we, we grudgingly oblige things we think will get his attention versus truly loving him and doing the things he's called us to do. And maybe for you, prayer is driving down the street and talking to God like you would your neighbor. That's what it is for me. I just talk to them. Read my Bible. Yeah, I do read my Bible. I love my Bible. But you know what? It's not going to replace time that I spend with my family. I'm not going to go do all this religious stuff and tell my kids, oh, I'll talk to you later. We'll, we'll play ball later. Daddy's busy being godly. That's messed up. I believe that when we fulfill our calling as parents and husbands and, and sons, that we are doing that which God has called us to do. And we're with him in that moment. And I can rejoice and I can pray and talk to God as easily throwing a football to my son as I can in my closet with the door closed. Maybe a little easier actually throwing the football. The closet thing freaks me out still. If you're claustrophobic, try something better. Like, a, like I just think it's, it's just amazing. There's so much to do. Look at First Peter 2.24. Because you want to overcome? One big thing that we talk about overcoming is sin, right? There's a simple... Simple cure for this. First Peter two twenty four. He himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Healed of what? Healed of sin. Healed of what? Healed of whatever. Healed of addiction. Healed of bad mindsets. Healed of bad relationships. All the healing has been purchased for you. How do we overcome sin? Well, Jesus already overcame sin. It's done. Listen, we live in this reality, you and me, as believers in Jesus Christ, as beneficiaries of the new covenant, where Jesus has already solved the sin issue for us. Because the sin issue was a belief in him. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment, of sin because we don't believe in him. Well, let's believe in him. And then Guess what happens? The sin issue is dealt with. Do we still struggle with sins? Yeah, some external behavior things we've got to deal with? Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to stand here and tell you we we don't have issues with some behaviors. But can I tell you that right now the issue is not your behavior? It's not. The fundamental heart issue is not whether or not you do X, Y, or Z. What's the motivation behind that action? Where's the heart issue that's prompting that? The Bible tells us Jesus Christ bore your sins on his body so that you could die to sin and live for righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. If you're sitting in this place right now and you're a believer in God, believe me when I tell you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are. There's nothing you can do to make yourself better. There's nothing you can do to make yourself worse. If you want to keep sinning, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to wreck relationships. You're going to do damage to people around you. But your father in heaven is not going to change his mind about you. He's not. He loves you now. He'll love you then. But I'll tell you what, his best for you is always going to exclude those other things. It's always going to be don't drive 150 miles an hour down the freeway. That's not my best for you. You know, those things tend to end badly for people when car meets wall. His best for us doesn't include the things that we think are, are, are important or fun or whatever. They include the things he's already purchased for us. A relationship with him is not based on our behavior. Amen? Amen. Come on, that's a big amen. You have been healed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right here with this last verse. Because ultimately what Jesus gave us the power to overcome and what he did himself overcome is death. How many of you guys have been touched in some form by death? Uh, my grandfather died last week. My last grandfather, my last grandparent. I hate it. it, it uh, he was ready to go, and he was elderly, and he had a good life, and blah, blah, blah. Still going to miss my grandpa. It still stinks. I hate death. I hate cancer. I hate those things that come to rob and steal and destroy. And none of those things, by the way, come from God. None. And I don't care what your theology tells you or what some preacher told you, God didn't make somebody sick to get their attention to bring it. No, he didn't. Amen? Not my God. My Bible tells me there's an enemy who came to steal and destroy and to kill. I'm not worried about him. But I tell you what, Jesus overcame death. And we get to, and as I called my mom and I talked to her on the phone about her, it's her father that died. She's, you know, a 68-year-old orphan. She's heartbroken. She's heartbroken. You know, it doesn't matter when it happens, you're heartbroken. But we get to say, as the Bible says, that we don't grieve like those out there. Not that we're better than them, but there's a hope we have that they don't have. And I don't get to grieve as someone without hope. I grieve, yeah, but I don't grieve like someone who's never going to see that person again. I don't grieve like somebody who's got no hope of ever of, of heaven. But Jesus, man, he just, he, he overcame death. And I don't mean just death. In the ultimate physical sense, I mean we were spiritually dead. The Bible tells us that we were dead in our transgressions, we were dead in our sins, but Brandon said this last week I, I just might as well preach his message again jesus didn 't come to make bad people good it, it, was, it wasn 't that we were bad in our transgressions or we were sick in our transgressions, or we were we were dead, and the issue is now. We've been raised to new life if we believe in Christ, amen? So the issue's now resolved. If you've said yes to Jesus, your eternal life's already begun. You're already dealing in eternity right now. Jesus swallowed up death. Look at what 1 Corinthians tells us. This is my last scripture, okay? In the message version, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57, it says, death swallowed by triumphant life. Let me say that again. Death swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death, are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. Can you, you get the gravity of that? It took care of everything. Sin dealt with. Guilt dealt with. Death dealt with. Overcome, overcome, overcome. By who? By the Lamb of God, who humbly, voluntarily, for the joy that was set before him, went to the cross and endured the unendurable, sent into the grave, raised three days later, resurrected with victory in his hands. I'm telling you right now, if you're in this place today, number one, it's not by accident, I believe. But if you need that kind of victory in your life, I'm telling you, it is revolutionary. Forget what you've heard about religion. Forget what you've heard about laws and rules and regulations. This isn't about any of that. Okay, No one's here to tell you that you need to do X, Y, Z in order to get right with God. But I will tell you this, the gift is there. You still have to take it. You still gotta step into it. So here's what we're gonna do really quickly. Keena's gonna come. We're gonna create a little quiet moment. If you guys would close your eyes, bow your heads. I just wanna leave an opportunity this morning. If you need to say yes to Jesus, if you need to step from death to life and claim the victory that Jesus won, raise your hand, make eye contact with me, do something, get my attention. Amen. Amen. See that hand, see that hand. I see that one. Oh man. Buddy else. Yes. Yes. Here's what we're going to do. If you guys would do me a favor, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to tell you right now that the words we're saying, they're not magic words. There's nothing inherently magical. There is, a, there is already a belief in your heart. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. You've done the believing part. We're going to just do the confessing part. So everybody pray along. If all you believers would join in, say, Heavenly Father... Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you paid the price for my salvation. God, I confess that I need a Savior. And I believe that his name is Jesus. I I give you my heart. I give you my life. I entrust you with my future. I ask you to come with me. Fill my heart. Lead me in your ways, Jesus. In the name of God in the name of Christ, everybody shout amen. Amen. Come on. That's good stuff. Come on, on. Everybody get on your feet this morning? I'm going to pray and release you. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people who've come. God, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus this Christmas. We will forever be grateful. God, I pray that you bless each one as they go this morning. God, that you would just continue to remind them that they are overcomers in the name of Jesus. Thank you for doing it. In the name of Jesus I pray. Everybody say Amen. Amen. Have an awesome day. We love you. If you need